It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hey, this is uh, Mike Adams once again, and it's uh, Old Religion Dystopia, Knowing versus Belief, and uh, I have another guest. And uh, um, it seems to be, well, it's so self-evident that Sasquatch is on my mind. Um, the vast majority of my guests these past uh, month or so have been <laughs> those who have... Uh, expertise and knowledge in the subject and we have another one this the gentleman's name is matt uh victor not victor but victor with an f and uh he's out west there and he's been uh doing some fascinating research i heard of him i believe matt i heard you through once again uh sasquatch chronicles was Wes was interviewing you and uh and uh it your story that she had moved me so much that I felt like I had to reach reach out to you. Um, and uh, is is uh, as Wes uh, kind of like unofficially asked you to kind of be like your eyes for that your location? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, he he was kind of wanting to get a group out here going, I guess, and uh, we we actually haven't talked too much about that since then I, he's a pretty busy guy so it's i've seen him a few emails it's kind of hard to get a hold of him so i'm just kind of waiting to hear back i might email him again and kind of see what uh what he was thinking about you know so but yeah well, i imagine it would be 2000 he's interviewed over two allegedly 2000 folks and all this constant mm-hmm. pumping out of shows right so I, I i understand that um as far as the pumping out of shows i mean <laughs> I have done over, it's getting close now to uh, a 1,200 uh, recordings and interviews in the past four years, so I know it's like. Uh, but now, it's, uh, you're, you're interesting, Matt, and I just want to say thank you for sending some of the imagery that you have sent, um, and I'll keep it to ourselves here, And uh, but we talk about it, uh, we're just talking about... Uh, Oh, this image of this uh, arch, of this tree that was bent over from bottom to top, and it's huge. And your your friends are standing there, and uh, all the tree structures. So, well, hoping today, uh, Matt, is that we can talk a little bit about your encounters and your research. And I imagine we're going to go all from a conversation that we had earlier in the week. It seems like that we have a lot to talk about, and I don't think we're having yeah. too much problems. So. Why don't you first, it's the traditional thing, why don't you introduce yourself to uh, the audience and the people that will listen to this uh, as far as who you are and how you got to this point in your life, man. What a, what a place to be. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of, a, it's actually kind of strange. Um, basically, you know, my name's Matt Victor and I live in uh, Colorado. Um, I won't say exactly where, but um, I live in the mountains, a little outside of Denver. And uh, basically, when I was 16 years old, 
Uh, we used to spend a lot of time in the woods, and uh, me and me and a couple buddies, you know, and we that that's where what we did every day, every chance we got. It was kind of like our our escape, you know. We could go up in the woods and just do whatever we wanted, and there was no supervision. So, and our parents let us do it. So, that's where we were all the time. And uh, you know, I never had anything happen. I didn't. I never had like you know Sasquatch on my radar. I didn't really think about it a whole lot. And uh, a friend of mine and myself were camping, and we had our that was my first encounter when I was 16 and, uh, it, it shook me up pretty bad. And, uh, it, it really kind of, I guess, haunted me for a long time. Um, being in the nineties, you know, like you and I talked earlier, there was no internet. There wasn't Sasquatch really wasn't like as popular as it is now. So I couldn't find any research. I couldn't find anybody to talk to or anything like that. So I, I just, I told a few people, and of course, you got the raised eyebrows. People just either made fun of you or they would believe you, but it was kind of, it's a, it, it doesn't, it's not quite as sincere because they, they, they've never experienced it themselves. So I really just quit talking about it. And, uh, you know, of course, I had been made fun of a few times, and I was just like, you know what, there's, there's no point in me even speaking of this, really, so I'm not going to. And uh, I didn't for a long, long, long time. And, uh, you know, I got married and had my my daughter and, you know, just went through life like every normal person does. And um, one of my friend that I actually had the encounter with, him and I had seen each other many years. And he came up to visit me and we were hanging out one night and um, he brought it up. And uh, he asked me if I remembered that. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course I remember that. And and we, we didn't really talk about it too much, but it kind of got me interested in the subject again um, after all those years about trying to put it aside and forget about it. So I, I jumped on the Internet after he left, and I was amazed at the YouTube videos and all the um, forums and the groups out there and all these researchers that I, I didn't realize. I had no idea that it was as massive as it was. Um, and then I, that's when I found <clears throat> the... Uh, Sasquatch Chronicles podcast, and I was listening to, to that at work every night, and um, I that's when I got uh, I heard my friend uh, Robert on there, and he was you know talking about his experience in this place, and that I found out that he was in Colorado uh, near me, so I contacted him, and um, we got together, and we just we started going out, and he took me to his area, and it was every bit of you know it, it was every bit of what he said it was and I, I was I was afraid at first you know and because my initial experience was pretty terrifying so I, I had I guess you could call it a little shell shock and I, I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into but um there's an adrenaline rush uh, mixed with some other emotions and it, it it just keeps bringing you back and now um, we've got more people in the group. We've reached out to other people, and then I, I put my email out there to get in contact with others. And I've met some really great guys, and we're it, that was we've been doing it for a few years now. And and in those few years, we've we've discovered some pretty crazy stuff, some interesting things, and so that's that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, you know, maybe uh, after uh, you were talking about, you have a a, a new uh, place to go. 
the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about maybe you come back. Uh, well, hopefully, you will come back and talk about it. And uh, maybe your your is your friend name is Robert. Uh, maybe he could. Uh, yeah. He, maybe someone. Maybe a couple of you guys can join if you want. If you guys if you think you can, or they want to. Um, if they're up to it, maybe you guys could share collectively your story. That'd be very interesting. Yeah, uh, I'll talk to them. See what Some of them are kind of not really into the sharing aspect of this, I guess. But I, I can talk to them, see what if any the guys are interested. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I understand if they don't. Uh, you said your first encounter was terrifying. Mm-hmm. And so, if I'm not mistaken, it is quite terrifying. But. Uh, <laughs> Explain to people what you share with you as a six-year-old this terrifying encounter that you had, if you don't mind. Um, well, we well the okay, so we were me and my other friend we were camping, and the first the first night we just you know we're sitting in the tent and um, I'll kind of give you the short version of it. Um, we had. You know, I mean, nothing. We've been camping there before. Uh, before hey, Matt, just to let you know, there's yeah. no time, no time constraints, so you don't have. To, that's what you're worried about. Okay. Don't okay. worry about. Get, you know, get it out if you need to. Get it all out. You know what I mean? Okay. So. Um. All right. So yeah. Th- uh, anyways, the uh, the first night we were there, like I said, we'd been we'd been camping. Um, we'd camped there numerous times, and so uh, you know, nothing never you know, heard anything, never seen anything or, you know, so we're out there, uh, and it was, I want to say it was probably about one thirty in the morning. Um, we were sitting in the tent and we heard footsteps around our, like around our tent. And so we sat up and we we're sitting there listening to it and they sounded heavy is the only way I can describe it. It didn't sound, and it was kind of, it wasn't something trying to be quiet. That was another thing that, in hindsight, I now, you know, like I've gone over all of these things in my head a million times since this has happened. So I'm kind of giving you the version of what I know now. Um, when you but, say the footsteps were heavy, can you kind of describe it? I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, well, it was. We had some. Was, there was, some was, it like, was it like boom, boom, or was it? Well, not it? not not like that. It was basically. Um, it was there was some taller kind of grass and weeds around our tent and it sounded I mean exactly like a person not trying to be quiet walking through that grass and it sounded it, it sounded large it didn't sound like uh like a deer or a fox or you know some like a smaller animal like that and it and it didn't really seem to care that it was making noise was, so it drag? I, was, it, was it dragging its heels and stuff through it type of thing? Or like, you know, how, you know, you walk through a field of grass and it's like, boom, like that type of thing? Or was it just, uh, it, didn't really, it didn't, it wasn't really like that. It was just, it was just sounded like, I mean, it was pretty uh, casual actually, you know, somebody just walking up and um, okay. at first, um, you know, we immediately thought that it was a bear. And so, um, I, you know, I was, you know, me and my friend, I'm like, Hey, that, that is something that's a bear or something out there. Like I want to get out of this tent. And so, you know, he's agreeing with me. And right about that moment, a shape, you know, 
now I know it with a hand, pushed in on the side of the tent. Now, we had one of those old, like, military canvas tents, like the uh, triangular-shaped ones. Um, It pushed in on the side of that, and it ran its hand down the side of the tent. And when I saw that, I freaked out, and we ran out of that tent. And we ran to the car. You know, we turned the headlights on everything. And, we, and I was looking back, and we shined flashlights. And whatever. I didn't see. There was nothing there. And I was like, huh, I wonder where that – and I still at this point I'm thinking it was a bear or something. And I'm like, where did it go? You know, it was, it was really weird. So we were like, well, we're obviously not getting back in the tent tonight. We're going to sleep in the car. So, you know, we slept in the car that night, and, you know, we didn't hear anything, and nothing else happened the rest of that night. And uh, the next morning we got up and you know, we did our thing. We were hiking around, doing doing that kind of stuff. And uh, that evening, um, it was a bright moon, full moon, and uh, so you could see. I mean, it was lit, the forest was lit up enough that you could you could easily navigate around. And uh, so we walked over to the edge of this hillside that was near the in, edge of our campsite, and uh, we we're sitting there, and that's. <clears throat> we're just kind of looking out and it, the, the hill, it went down a hill kind of like, and there's a little field out there and there's trees. And, um, that's when we heard the first, uh, scream and it was a howl with a scream at the end of it. So it started off as like a howl. And then the end of it was just sounded like a woman screaming. And when we heard that, and we looked at each other and we were just like, you know, what in the hell was that? Like I'd never, I've never heard anything like that in my life. And it was loud. So not, you know, shortly after that, it was just a few seconds. There was a second scream. It sounded the exact same and it was even closer. So whatever this was, was, you know, coming our way. So at that point, me and my friend stood up and we took off running towards the car. You know, we're gonna get we're gonna get out of there. And uh, that's when the third scream hit. I say hit me, but what I mean by that was the third scream was right behind me. And when I heard that, um, it was like paralyzing. You know, it, it just shut shut me down. And uh, the fear and I. Just knowing whatever that was was that close behind me. I thought it was whatever it was was going to attack me, and uh, I just I I collapsed. I fell down, and I was trying to get up, and uh, I'm scrambling to get up, and I'm screaming for my friend, yelling at him, and I see him. He's ahead of me running. He stops. He turns around. He runs back, and he's where he got right up to me, and he stopped and he froze. And his, he, I could, he was staring at whatever was behind me and he was just frozen. And I knew he was looking at whatever was standing there behind me. And so I picked myself up, you know, he helped me up and then I'm like, let's go. You know, I'm, I'm pushing on him and now he's not moving because he's freaked out. So finally I, you know, snap him out of it. I'm like, let's go, let's go. And it was like, we take off running to the car. And that's when I got hit in the back of my legs by a, a large stick. And I turned around to, you know, 
at that moment to see. And when I looked back, I, that's when I saw, you know, the shape of what I, what I now know is a Sasquatch. It was kneeling down, crouching down, like it, it crouched and then threw a stick um, at the back of my legs. And we got in our car and uh, we turned the headlights on and again it lit up the area. We didn't see anything again. And we took off out of there and uh, we we're flying down the mountain and, you know, we're, my buddies, he's like, did you see that thing? And I'm, and I'm like, I don't, I saw something. I'm, I don't know what I saw. And he, he said, he kept saying it looked like a person. It looked like a man. And I was like, what? I'm like, what? I, and when I looked at it, it was crouching. So I didn't see the, you know, what, like a humanoid shape with shoulders and arms and like legs, you know, standing upright. Um, what I saw was crouching down and, but I did see the shoulders and like a head, you know, like the top of a head and the arms, the elbows sticking out from the sides. But I mean, this all happened so fast and we were so afraid that it took me, you know, a little while to kind of come to terms with what I saw. And I just kept replaying that image in my head. And, uh, you know, we, we got down to the, the bottom of the mountain and we were just, you know, yelling at each other, freaking out. And, uh, my buddy kept saying that was a Bigfoot. And I, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like a Bigfoot. And then that was the last thing I was really thinking about. And, uh, at that time, you know, I'd seen a few things about Sasquatch and I, you know, I'd always heard that they were like in the Pacific Northwest. And I was like, you know, those things aren't, if they're real, they're, I mean, how would they be in Colorado? I mean, we live here. It's like, we're here all the time. Like, there's no way that was a Sasquatch. And so he's like, I saw it. I and he described, you know, it had the fur or not, excuse me, not fur, but like the hair. And, uh, and the more he said that, I'm like, you know, he's like, have you heard anything like that before? He's like, I've never, heard, I'm like, well, maybe it was, was that a cat? And he's like, no, it wasn't a mountain lion. I've never heard anything like that before. He's like, and it was so loud and it moved so fast and we're just kind of arguing with each, with each other. And I'm like, man, I, I guess it, I guess it had to have been, you know, it had to have been, I don't, I don't know what else to, in it, to think that that was. Right. Well, what is your so, friend, how did your friend, you know, he's talking about, you know, is a man, it looks like a man. How, mm-hmm. how did he describe the face since he saw it? Well, what he, was this description or did he say much well, at all except that? <laughs> He didn't see any kind of a face because, like I said, it was a full moon that night. It was a, it was really bright, and it was more of what he saw, what he saw is, you know, it, it's the same thing that what I saw. It was, I mean, the the Sasquatch in that area, or at least the ones that we've dealt with, they are like ink black. They're completely black, and um, what we just saw was he saw a silhouette you know, against the moonlight. And so you could see um, kind of like the shiny, uh, the shine on like the hair is what he was describing. Um, and it had it like a human figure. And he said it was like about eight feet tall, I guess, probably. And um, he, it was just, like I said, a, a black silhouette. There's no face. We didn't see any face or anything like that. Well, it must have been incredibly, incredible experience and incredibly shocking. A little long term yeah, to think that this, mm-hmm. you know, the best of you, you know, bionic man or, you know what I mean? This bad, you know, you'd, yeah. everything on, on television 
although I'm not saying that the Patterson film isn't true, I just, you know, they all, they present it in a way like it's just, you know, it's all in your imagination. You just pretend that this isn't real and it's not supposed to be. And here are you two guys, two young guys, and you're like, holy blankety blank, blank, blank. <laughs> what just well, happened? <laughs> I'm, I'm a, you know, growing up and everything, me and my buddy were really into horror movies and comic books and all that kind of stuff. So, I think being that into fantasy stuff growing up, like comics and movies and things like that, I think seeing something that's literally out of a a movie makes it that much more difficult to comprehend. You know, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but for me, Oh yeah, absolutely. It does. In fact, I was like, I'm not supposed to be seeing whatever that was. Like that's not that can't be real. And it, I, I mean, would I, after... I would argue I would argue that the reason why they pump so much of this uh, mythology, uh, modern day mythology, and um, and fiction and um, on us is just so that you would have these sort of re- reactions that you're talking about. You wouldn't be able to process reality. You know, because most of us, if we're honest, we, most of our other mental lives are based on illusions, fantasies, projections, um, and uh, things that we, we, you know, fill our, our heads with. So very few of us are really connected with our true environment. So you just experience the ultimate of their true environment. So, you know, how could you? How could you not, how could you not be confused? Yeah, it was well, and you know, being a young teenager and you know, not being out in the world that much, and you know, I, I was always around pretty religious people. You know, my my family is fairly religious, and so that also put another. You know, it was that. You know, my friend that I was with, he's a he was a strong. You know really he uh his family they were into Christianity and he you know I was like was that something demonic? I mean that was something that another thing that came to mind and like it you're trying to come up with every possible you know scenario of like what was that like because that was not normal. And uh now I know, you know, it's it's uh just their Sasquatch and their their they're uh, they're all over Colorado, for sure. Well, think about that. You think of wonder about the fact that they are all over Colorado. You know, in, in, in religion too. You know, it's interesting how we operate a lot on and our lives based on beliefs, not necessarily knowing the actual truth about anything. Right. So, I mean, to think about it, uh, in your in your place, and at that time, uh, talk about the definition of a blessing and a curse. Um, how were the people around you? How did they respond to to you? Did you get Did you even bother sharing this with anybody close outside of the two of you? Yeah. Well, immediately after it happened. Uh, we went into town and, you know, I had some friends that had their own apartment. They were a little few years older than we were. 
and you know they were still up hanging out and stuff and we went in there and um we told one of my friends and then this other one of you know a couple of them came over and then we were trying to explain what happened and immediately everybody was like oh yeah sure you know and making fun of us to, you know and they were like okay and then the next day um my dad um he's a pretty laid back reasonable guy and he's a big hunter um or he he used to be so my dad's been all over the place hunting he has hunted all kinds of stuff um he's been up in uh canada bear hunting you know he's he's done all kinds of things so i and he was he's in the woods a lot back then and i asked him i said hey um something extremely uh crazy happened last night and i was have you ever experienced anything or heard anything or seen anything? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I told him and, uh, he's like, no, he's like, I've never seen anything like that. And he's like, I I've heard of it, you know, and he's, I, he's like, people say they see these things. He's like, but I never have. And my dad actually believed me and still does. And, um, you know, I, I, my, me and my, uh, friend like we we kind of told each other we're like yeah i'm like it, it it's real pointless to tell people about this because there's no reason to tell anybody because nobody's going to believe you and even if they do believe you i mean good whatever it doesn't doesn't solve the mystery you know no and uh and, so no, and, and it's not and it's not the best talk. it's not the best way to actually gather attention especially at that time period yeah and i didn't <laughs> want any negative attention, you know, to myself. I was bringing that on myself, uh, as it was, <laughs> I didn't need any more, but, um, but to add to that. So my, my friend and I, uh, like we said, uh, like, we're not talking about this. We're not telling people about this. You know, it's just between us. So a few years went by and, uh, we had some, you know, some new friends and things like that. And we were all hanging out one night around the fire at my, my, my folks house. And, uh, there was a, some girl there. I don't remember. She, you know, she started talking about, you know, ghosts and, you know, people started talking about UFOs and, uh, paranormal types of things. And she was saying like, she had seen a ghost or something like that and asking if anybody else had, and, you know, and we we're like, Nope. And, uh, so they all left. And my one friend, uh, he was still there and he said, Hey, he's like, you know how, she was talking about that kind of stuff. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, do you guys believe in things like that? And I was like, yeah, I do. You know, I'm, and I, I mean, I see, I saw what I saw. So, I mean, I can't discredit any other things that other people have seen. And so he's like, well, if I, he's like, I have a story, but I didn't want to tell it around the other people. He's like, but I'll tell you guys, he's like, you promise not to make fun of me. And I'm like, yeah, Absolutely. And then he said, well, don't tell anybody because my dad was involved in this as well. And you know, his dad had a business. And he's like, I don't want anybody to make fun of my dad or ha- you know, I don't want anybody knowing. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I won't say nothing. So he said, do you know where blank area is? And I was like, yeah. And as soon as he said that, I just got a chill up my spine. I looked at my friend. And we we're both like looking at each other like, okay, where's this going? Because, you know, he just named off where we were camping. And he's like, 
uh, yeah, my dad and I were up there snowmobiling last winter, and he's like, I got my snowmobile. I'm, I'm giving you, I, this is, I'm not going to, you know, go on about, this is what he said. Um, but he said, I, we were up there snowmobiling, and I got my snowmobile stuck, and so I was digging it out, and my dad was kind of cruising around the tree line. And uh, he said a Sasquatch uh, charged out of the forest at his dad. And his dad immediately flew down, snatched him by the back of his coat, threw him on the front of the snowmobile, and they booked it out of there. And they left his snowmobile up there. And they went back into town, and I guess they got, like, his cousin and his uncle and maybe some other guys, and they went back up there to get the snowmobile, and they took guns when they went back up there. And um, So he, he told us that story. And, uh, I was freaking out when he, I mean, I almost couldn't contain myself when he was telling me that. And then finally I said, you know what? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, a, I'm not lying to you. We had the same thing happen to us up there. And, um, we, you know, we talked about it all night long about, you know, Sasquatch. And so he's another person that just confirmed what happened to us. And then after that, that was, probably in 1998 maybe when he told us about that. And I, I pretty much was like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much done with camping. Um, I have no interest really in going in the woods by myself anymore. And I, you know, I'm going to try and forget about this. And I moved on with life and, you know, that was a long time ago and now I'm, I'm back in the middle of it. So you had a very long time. I mean, when did you, when did you actually start back into it? Uh, so from 1998 is now almost 20 years. Yeah. It was, um, I when I got originally got in contact with Robert. I want to say it was a little over. I think it was almost going on three years now. Um, when we got when I got in, uh, in contact with him, and then we uh, the fir- the first time that we went out to his area. So for the last three years, we've been making trips and uh, going to some, and then, you know, we, we hear some things and we'll go to some different, we've been going to some different spots and stuff. And it's pretty much across the board. You know, they, they do, if you know what to look for and, you know, like I was showing you the structures and and things like that, you can, you can kind of get a good idea of where they're, where they're going to be. Now, can, can you tell us your next encounter that you had that you would consider an encounter? Um, well, the, the next one was actually when me and Robert went to um, his, this area in the canyon. That's what we call it. Um, and this is down in the Pikes Peak area by Colorado Springs. And uh, you may have seen some of this online. I was unaware of this, too, until recently, but it's there's a lot about lot about that area online now it's getting pretty pretty popular i think for the uh sasquatch groups but um you know and i robert and i got together and he took me down to that area <clears throat> and he told me you know about how he he had been going down there like two years prior to when him and i went so he had his he had a very strong encounter down there as well like in, very similar to mine and then he got hooked on it and going down there all the time, trying to find out what exactly these things were and what, what, you know, what's going on down there. So he was telling me about all these encounters that he had had 
um, and experiences since then, because they were camping down there a couple times a month. And I mean, he was telling me all this, all this wild stuff. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, like, I'm like, so it's just, I mean, how many times do you think you've experienced this? And he's like, you know, he's like, I lost track. He's like, probably like 40 times. And I'm like, oh man. And like, you know, it's kind of funny now is I just met him. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, like this guy's telling me he's had all these experiences. I'm like four hours from home. What am I getting myself into? So we get down there, we set up camp. And immediately when we set up our camp, there's the structures that I was showing you. Um, they're all over the place. And I was just blown away. I'm walking around looking at all these things. I'm like, oh my God, there's tree bends everywhere. And, um, you know, the structures and stuff. I'm like, I was, I was just taken back by everything. I'm like, wow, this is, this is incredible. And we set up camp and had a fire going and we weren't there. Well, first I asked Robert, I said, so when's, when's this activity kind of get going? And he's like, oh, they usually don't show up till, you know, after midnight, one in the morning. And this was at like 5.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, okay. So we got some time on our hands. So we're just sitting there and it was, I mean, we weren't there an hour probably. As soon as the sun went down, we heard a big tree knock right behind us. And I spun around. I'm like, whoa. And I mean, it just, it freaked me. Honestly, it freaked me out. And Robert just kind of started laughing. He's like, oh, they're here already. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he's like, no. And I'm like, and then we, then from then until morning, it was nonstop activity. Um, that was the night, that was my strongest encounter down or experience down there. Uh, we were sitting around the camp. Um, you could hear them moving around the camp. Um, you can hear them. They do what I just, we call it like mumbling. Some people call it chatter. Um, it's not the, the samurai chatter that you've probably, everybody's heard online. I've, I haven't heard that, but, um, it's more of like a, a low mumbling, like a, kind of like a whispering, like a mumbling that they do to each other. So we were hearing that. Somebody, you know, some people, much, some people have described it to me as like sounding like a a bunch of drunk men. Uh, this mumbling, <laughs> it doesn't make yeah, much sense. I guess. There, 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 what about like you know uh, Matt Peterson stuff? Have you looked at that uh, uh, on no. Sasquatch in Ontario? His his audio and you know <clears throat> his interaction and. That might be he's worth looking listening to. I mean, I'll send a, an, an audio of his from his YouTube channel. You tell me if, uh, later on if that's what you're saying. But he, that's apparently a pretty accurate description. It's just like well, this what's weird about this thing is that uh, uh, this this particular creature has been able to mimic uh, some of the English language and uh, calls out the guy's name and everything. Yeah, so you know what I have seen those videos. Is that is that what you're talking about? Is that, uh, I mean, is that is, is is that accurate? Let me ask you that. From your experience, um, is that accurate? Is he portraying something real? I mean, because I know he goes to the woo side of things, but um, well, I to be honest with you, I only watched like two of his videos, and this is a few years ago, and it was like, um, 
apparently a Sasquatch calling his name out. Yeah. And to be honest with you, that's when I stopped. I, I, I didn't watch any more of his videos. And I'm, no disrespect to that guy, but... Um, well, he's got some, newer ones, some newer ones, he's had some interesting things. It's worth looking into uh, fingerprints yeah. on his car, footprints, and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know either, but I, I mean, I just... I'll have to go back and look look at some of that stuff because there's so much of it out of it out there. Um, you know, when I, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit what people are experiencing because people say all kinds of things and people have seen all kinds of things. And I, you know, I tell people what I've seen and heard and people don't believe me either. Yeah. So sure. are these things incapable of um, mimicking well, English words? I think absolutely that they are. Um, but I, I watched I, some other debunking videos, and I just, like I said, I have no disrespect to that guy, but I don't. As soon as I hear a, somebody in the distance, you know, saying, you know, and I hear a, a Sasquatch speaking English, I kind of move on <laughs> to the next video. Yeah, <laughs> well, what, it's it's the stuff that certainly, when you first listen to it, it's like it's a guy right. could easily easily do be doing this. Uh, well, but, uh, I have uh, you heard know, things that sound like dogs barking. Um, uh-huh. which when you're like 20 miles from the nearest town and there's no people, uh, that was really strange. Um, it sounded like a domestic dog barking. I thought that was really odd. And I've also heard them mimic, um, crows. And that was really pretty strange as well. So I've heard them do animal sounds but i'm i've never heard at this point i've i haven't heard one speak english so yeah i'll, I'll just leave it at that i guess <laughs> sure and so well and here's the other thing just possibility just a possibility is that um because we're talking about vast differences in locations thousands of miles from each other that the uh troop or clan or whatever it is that's in your areas um could have slightly different, you know, well, as far as the vocals go, uh, slightly different uh, communication. Just like it may be in a way like human beings do and uh, and other uh, primates do as well. I mean, you well, know. I know uh, orcas from different areas have, they say, accents, you know. So yeah, there you I'm, go. I, I, would, I would assume that they absolutely would have maybe accents or different ways of communicating for sure. Um, I think, you know, it's not out of the range of possibility if you had, you know, say uh, a family of Sasquatch around your property and, you know, you gain yeah. their trust or whatever. And I mean, you know, who knows? You, you probably could get them to mimic English words. I think that's absolutely something that they can do. Um, and I know that sounds probably crazy, but I don't think they're around humans enough to maybe catch on to that. And really, I don't, I don't think they're out there practicing that kind of, no, I, I'm, and when I say that too, I'm not saying that they're able to, uh, even, uh, clearly communicate or, or even perform a sentence. I mean, if they do repeat something, it's just, they're just simply repeating it. It's just uh, one of those things that they do as they repeat other animals and all that kind of stuff. It's just 
it was part of their nature. Um, but uh, it's always just, you know, as far as the the the, the gibberish, the uh, jingoistic gibberish that they do. Uh, obviously, to them it means something, but to the rest of us, yeah. us human beings, at least, it's language. I, I mean, I'm, I'm certain of that. Yeah, we've we've heard it. I mean, you know, so. So do you, when you when you hear that stuff, if you, and they're communicating, uh, I, I imagine it's also freaks you out. But at the same token, if you look back at it, retrospect, is it you know, is it. Uh, is it any part of their threatening posture, or are they just simply, uh, you know, no, just uh, hanging out? Hanging out is a <laughs> in their I, clan. The threatening sounds or the screams that I heard. That when I hear like something that sounds violent, that's. I mean, this stuff doesn't sound. Um, it, it, it's basically like them kind of moving around our camp, whispering to each other. Is right. the best way I can describe it because later that night, um, we went. You know, when we went to bed, we woke up. At, well, Robert woke me up, and after the fire dies down, it gets pitch black in that canyon. You can't see a foot in front of your face. And he had told me before that they come into camp at night and they'll kind of mess around with stuff. So um, we deliberately leave out everything. Sure, you know which like any, whatever, anything that we have, we just leave it there. And, uh, so he woke me up, you know, and this was you know, probably one thirty-two in the morning. And, uh, he's like, Oh, there, there's a couple of them here. And I was like, Oh, you know, now I'm, yeah. I'm kind of <laughs> adrenaline's pumping again because yeah. they're like 10 feet away from us. Sure. And, uh, you could hear, um, you could hear that mumbling outside the tent. It was like, like a whist, like a, like a whispering, like, but it was, real deep in like a mumble and um you could hear him kind of clinking around uh we had some coffee you know the stainless steel coffee mugs and and stuff like that you could hear them um moving that stuff around kind of messing with it and they they don't that's another thing that i also think is interesting as i've said this before is when we go to bed they will sneak into your camp and they will go through your stuff. You, we heard them open. We had a um, like a tackle box with some stuff in it. We, we heard them open that and close it. They opened our ice, uh, our cooler, and we heard the you know the cooler lid shut. We heard them moving some things around, kind of messing with stuff, and they're mumbling to each other the whole time. And there was multiple. I don't know how many that how many there were outside, but they. A few of them left. I don't know if they got bored or whatever, but there was one guy. He stayed behind, and he was out there, and he started making a good bit of a noise. And Robert's like, "Man, this is really strange." And we're just sitting in the tent at this point, like, not we weren't really whispering anymore. And uh, Robert's like, "This guy's not worried that we're here and we can hear. It. He's he's not worried about making noise." And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of." you know, concerning, I guess. And he's like, yeah, he's like, this is kind of weird. And so, um, we just started kind of talking and he was out there doing his thing. And interesting. Interesting. He, he, he didn't care. He didn't care that we were awake and he did not care that we could hear him. 
And then he eventually left. And then that morning I woke up and I fell asleep for a few hours. And uh, that morning I woke up and uh, I could hear one moving around the tent. And this was about, I want to say, 5 o'clock. Probably the sun was just barely starting to come up. And uh, so it was kind of getting light, more light outside. And uh, I sat up in my sleeping bag, and I'm sitting there listening, and I could hear movement outside. And I coughed, just kind of clearing my throat. Like, <clears throat> And when I did that, I heard what, what we call it a hoof. Uh-huh. And it was like a hoof, like this noise like that. And then he stomped, boom, stomped his foot, and it just, just like shook the ground. And then I heard him like busting uh, branches and sticks and stuff, and he just like tore out of there. And we hoof. looked outside. And it's it was interesting that the, that hoof is almost like it seems like it's like out of annoyance. That, that's, yeah, like, that's, it, that's almost like a warning because I, I woke Robert up and I was like, "Man, did and like I told him what happened?" And he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "He's probably telling you not to follow him," <laughs> you know. And then I heard the weird crow calls, and it was it was a it was a little too now, much for me to take in my first. Well, time there's, there's there's three questions I already got to ask you. Uh, one bounces back to your original uh, encounter, and then what we're talking about this this event. We'll stay in this event. So uh, you have the one um, suspect. We'll call him suspect. You know, that was hanging around uh, in your camp. The other ones leave. He's making noise, acting as if he's not the least bit worried about the fact that you're hearing him. Uh, did you guys ever, you know, talk it over and say, you know, because it almost sounds to me like he was there presenting some kind of an ambush and he was the bait, if you will, kind of thing, but try to draw you guys out. Yeah, if, you know, you know, know. We, we kind of talked about, well, what Robert has experienced down there. You know, over because he, like I said, he's been going down there for two years prior to when I went there. He said um, what he has noticed is they become increasingly bold. Um, so basically, what and this is another thing I, I should probably mention is when we go down there, we do the exact same things. So, you know, Robert's got the same truck. We wear the same clothing. So we look I, the exact same every time. Basically, you know, he's, he's got this hat that he wears, and um, we we camp in the same spot. You know, we don't listen to music, we don't do anything like that, and we just we just sit there and we're we're really quiet all night long. We do the exact same thing every time we're there. And he said his idea on it is that it's we uh, they're they're a type of animal as far as we know, and we think it, you know, it's our scent, you know, they probably recognize our specific scent, maybe, and we look the same, we do the same things, and we're non, we don't threaten them, we don't do anything threatening in any way, so we're not shooting guns, we're not, you know, shining flashlights out in the woods, we're not doing anything like that, we basically go there, we set up camp, we build a fire, and we kick back, and we just kind of let them do their their thing, and we believe that this has built, you know, kind of some trust between us, 
and they know now that we're not a threat to them. So I think each time we go there, they just are kind of like, eh, nothing to worry about. And they just become increasingly bold with what they do. And the longer you stay there, um, night after night, it gets more and more. It just progresses every night what they do. And so that's kind of where we're at with that. Um, I don't, I don't think they have any, you know, intent in killing us because that was another thing we discussed as well. Cause I was, like I said, I was a little shell shocked when I got there and I was extremely scared the first night I was there cause my first experience was terrible. And, uh, he said, Hey, look, I've been down here so many times, so close to these things. He's like, if they wanted to kill me, they would have by now, if they want to kill us, they're going to, but they don't. And they have it. And they, they've never done anything threatening to, since they've been there. So, um, he kind of assured me, which, you know, that nothing's going to happen. And so I kind of just, okay. <laughs> so far, nothing has. And nothing, and, and nothing does happen. No. I mean, that, they, that, that, night, that, that first, that first night. Okay. So, uh, this is, I know this sounds kind of off the mark and why he asked the question, but anybody that's ever gone to camp and then you wake up five in the morning, it's cold as hell out. And then usually you need to go take a piss. <laughs> so here you are, you got this oh, thing got hanging out there. Too. Oh, okay. So you got something to piss in the, in the tent type of thing. Yeah. Use, this a, might be... use a Gatorade bottle. I'm not getting out of the tent. <laughs> <laughs> well, this for any advice for anybody who's going to do this, you know, you might want to think about that in advance because that's one of those things yeah. that put yourself quite you're in it. And you're outside and you're going to. Well, you know, this, and they're animals too. And here you are, you know, marking their territory. They might take offense to it. Uh, you hear, uh, you've, I've heard numerous stories about guys going to take a leak and uh, next thing they know, they're looking at some dude, some hairy dude that, you know, twice yeah. as grinning at them. Yeah. And, these guys down there seem to be a little. Uh, they're they're pretty mellow, I guess you could say. They're and like I said, I think they're um, different in different regions. They're like people as far as like different um, temperaments. You know, the yeah. the ones that I encountered years before that were not friendly, and they did not want. They clearly did not want me there. Was there, um, was there, and again, your first encounter, your first <clears throat> encounter as a young man, was that a place that was popularly camped? There's a lot of campers. No, this, okay, no. Okay. at that point in time, it was old, uh, some old forest service roads. And that's half the reason we went up there is because you could, you, I mean, it, it's literally, I mean, it's, it's not even 20 minutes to get to that exact spot. It's not even 20 minutes from where I currently live. So what time is what kids. time of the, what time of the year were you did you go camping? So this was in the middle of the summer. Okay. This is when, it, well, when we were up there, but no, you but there's no people up there. Do you notice that um certain times of the year that they're more active and more aggressive than others? In other you words, know, I I've only I've only dealt with them in the spring, summer and fall. I've never gone out in the winter. Um which the reason why I've never gone out in the winter is a, I don't like camping in the snow, but, uh, <laughs> that makes sense. And I mean, seriously though, like, uh, the, the main reason that we've another interesting thing uh, I can tell you is that we've discovered 
is they are um, aware of their tracks and they will not, absolutely will not come around you if there's snow on the ground. Yeah, so basically going out there in the winter and setting up camp and being miserable for a couple of days, you're, you're not going to see them. Right. I mean, I mean, not, not, you're not going to see them anyways, but you're not going to, they're not going to come close to you at all. You may hear some wood knocks in the distance or something, but I'm not driving for four hours to sleep out in the snow and hear a wood knock when I can get a better experience in the spring or summer. But they are, they are absolutely completely aware of their, their tracks and they, they will avoid leaving tracks at all costs. Hmm. Now, I just wonder, too, because, you know, then there are certain types of the year when they could potentially breeding season. Maybe not. You know, maybe they breed all year round, you know. Then there's, you know, wintertime, you're talking about a shortage of food. So there would be a good, good chance of uh, potentially having uh, an, an increase of, of violence or some kind of violence some kind of bad encounter during the winter only because of shortage of food. These are just speculations on my part. Sure. You know, and so, a lot of that, but yeah. Uh, the other thing is now back to the beginning, your first encounter when they screamed at you, especially the third time uh, uh, behind the car. Um, how, how did that affect your hearing? Did you go slightly deaf? Did you, uh, get ringing in your ears? How did that affect you? Because, you know, you hear different things from people and how that affects um, you. But the thing that I noticed the most about it was the the volume. Um, you could feel it. It wasn't like an ear-piercing sound that made your ears ring, um, but it was more of a... The only way I can describe it is it just, like, rattled your insides. Like, if you're... You know, at a, at a drag race, uh, I don't know if you've been close to engines or things like that. You can feel that rumble inside you or like at a concert or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, that's what I felt. I felt that just that rattling of your insides. So it was high decibel, and, uh, but, it, it, but, it, but it wasn't yeah, like, course, it, was it like, was it like anything a close to like, you know, tornado, siren, you know, hear those things? In your neck of the woods, we have hit you know, here. I can't. Or, or, I, was, you know. I was so scared, the adrenaline was going. I don't. I couldn't really. What, and I, I, only reason, I, I bring up the tornado thing because it's one of those things that uh, it's loud uh, uh-huh. and it's unavoidable, no matter what you do, unless you put some headsets on or something. Yeah. Uh, even then, you're gonna still feel it. Uh, and so I'm just wondering, you know, how does one describes having that close? Because I mean, that close to having a a scream as that. <laughs> it's, I've heard too yeah. many stories now where not only does it frighten people, make them piss their pants, put them in a trance, help them even go into shock. Um, I think I had a little bit of shock going probably. I mean, it was, but like the the, the main thing I remember was just the absolute like. The feeling of it, it was, it was just, it was so loud that it, it just, it rattled my insides. And that's the main thing that I remember about that. Um, but as far as, um, it was, it was tremendous. It was unlike I, anything I can really describe. I've never heard an 
you know, so far in my life. You know, I, I've never heard, you know, I've been to the zoo and I've heard elephants, you know, large animals making their sounds and stuff. I, I This was incredible. Like, I've never heard anything shake me quite like, you know, nothing like that before. Right. So it was fascinating, fascinating stuff. So now you guys have been doing it for a while and uh, uh, making friends with Rob. And uh, so I, I used to be on the railroad. You could take uh, the freight train to Chicago, uh-huh. to Chicago and places between. And you'd, I'd spend uh, t- usually uh, 12 hour shifts two days straight to the same person. And so you develop certain kinds of, well, I guess, associations, friendships, and all that kind of thing. For you two guys to keep on doing this, you must be pretty tight. Well, that's pretty, yeah, you know, we're we're pretty good friends now, I would say. Um, yeah. It kind of, it's, uh, when you meet somebody that you've never met before in your life on the internet, and you go into a situation like this where there is the the potential of things going south real bad and you're going to have to maybe perhaps save each other's lives. You know, I mean, you never know. I mean, so the bonding that we had was pretty quick. You know, we, we, we became real good friends real fast. <laughs> and, you know, Robert's a great guy. You know, he's one of my good friends now. And, yeah, I, I mean, you, you absolutely have to have – um, some guys that are on the up and up. If you're going to be out there, when if something does happen, I mean, you're you're going to have to take control of it. And you, you want you want some good good dudes with you, for sure. Yeah, and also you know just the, the whole thing about being spending all night in a tent together. It's uh, and having all the strangeness and everything. It's and then uh, yeah. you well no, you, you're going to have to comfort each other mentally. Uh, well, he, he, you know, he, psychologically. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, he, he, if you're not if you're not tight friends, let's put it this way: if it was a yeah. loose a loose affiliation of people that just got together, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I <laughs> well, I'm sure that yeah. after the experience, they would be, they would bond quite a bit. That's usually what happens in experiences like that. Yeah. Uh, so this way, you see so many guys like in wartime and all that. You, they're members of platoons and stuff like yeah. that. They end up being friends for life just because of the traumatic experience. So, um, yeah, it's cool. It's like now uh, we have a couple of uh, new guys. I would I, I would call them new guys that have been going out with us. And the same thing. Uh, they contacted me through the email, and uh, me and Robert kind of go over. You know, I, I wouldn't say we interview them, but you know, we talk to them, make sure they, because I've had people call me. You know. I had one guy call me. He was stoned and drunk. Wanted me to. I'm like, yeah, why would you call me at nine o'clock at night in this state and try to talk about something serious? You know, I, I immediately wrote. I'm like, you're not going. You know, <laughs> and uh, but we have, <laughs> but we have. Now that I have nothing about nothing against getting drunk or high, but don't. It's not real professional if you want me to take you seriously. Um, well, and there's a time and place to. If you're gonna do, there's yeah, times exactly, place there's a to time do that. You know, you're not going to go to a job interview drunk, so don't call me like that. But, uh, yeah, my, our new – and we have another guy. And, I mean, it's – it's you, you I mean, it, as soon as you get out there, you become brothers pretty quick. And, and, you, I and think, you have to. I mean, Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to also uh, – it seems logical to me to keep it small. I see these people and they – Yeah. 
you know, whether, you know, uh, they're turning these little uh, adventures, outings into uh, little mini conventions and family reunions. And I just, uh, which I, hey, babe, I, I don't have a problem with that. But everybody who has any life experience knows that the best way to accomplish anything is in small groups. You know, you know, platoon size smaller is you're going to have more success in whatever you do. Especially well, you know who you get there as well because I I uh, before Robert and I started going, um, he was looking for people and I uh, apparently he had contacted some other guys, you know, and uh, he you know we like to keep everything quiet. I don't like to I'm not, I'm not giving people GPS coordinates of where I'm at, you know, and like we don't want people to know simply because we don't want people there. And he had a guy apparently once that was like posting stuff on Facebook, you Uh, know what I mean? And so like, we don't, I don't want that kind of, we don't want that kind of attention. And then it just lets, you know, and the next time you get down there, Oh, Hey, look, there's some, somebody else in your spot. You know, it's kind of like fishing, I guess. You're not telling people where your, your uh, spots are, but. Um, yeah, it, it, it's better with with less people. It's it's less confusing. I should start um, using a different term than platoon because platoon is a uh, you know fifteen to thirty guys type of thing. Company is a little bit larger. Squad squad probably is about the max eight to twelve uh, or a fire team. And then I talk about military organization. And I think that's a great way of approaching this too. Is uh, and uh, in some ways. It's always is good to, especially when you're dealing with the outdoors, uh, to have some kind of uh, structure and order, who's who and what's what, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. what's ro- whose roles are and all that. So I, I think probably squad to a fire team is probably a better way of saying it. But a fire team is not so, I've been saying platoon too much. Platoon is probably too big. Uh, that's, that's now becoming a social gathering. Although I was thinking of this, Matt, you know, one of the things that might be uh, effective when it comes to platoons in an area and you really want to have a siding is to uh, start at different uh, points of teams of two. So if you had 30 guys, you could have 15 different points circle an area and would you be better off in actually getting uh, because the way that these creatures work, it seems like what I'm learning from uh, uh, Rio from uh, Utah Sasquatch is that the um, and if he's right, I mean his his theory is his theory, but you know fallback mm-hmm. positions and fallback numerous fallback positions for these animals, and so uh, when you get too close, they just move to the next secure, ideal spot yeah. and then they keep moving and moving. You, yeah, you you're not going to catch one. That that's yeah. So what if you can go out? You might as well get that out of your head immediately. You're not. You're not going to see one. You're not going to catch one. Or you know, I mean, if you do see one, it's because they made a mistake, or they want you to see them. You know, it's it's they're very, uh, and that's the thing too that people don't understand. They're not these dumb lumbering animals that are just, you know, late, you know, just walking through the forest. Like in oh hey there's one take a picture that you're not, you're not they they are born and raised to stay away from human beings 
and I'm pretty confident of that. You know, I, I'll say that. Like, they, you're not gonna, you're not gonna see one. <clears throat> so I mean, these, you know, people want to go out there and strategically place people in different areas and try to close in on something. I mean, you're not. They're, they know you're there. They're, they're seeing you before you, you see them, and they're like, you know. When you get close, they get a little further away. And I've we've we've hiked around and uh, on the same point. Um, I I don't know if I told you before that they have a. We discovered at the canyon, or actually Robert discovered it. And he was teaching me about it. Is uh, I don't hear too many people talk about this, but they have a watcher. I don't know if are you familiar with any of that. Have you heard any of that before? Yeah, they have a sentry. Some kind of century. Yeah. So they have during the day. Um, I guess the rest of them um, kind of go to, you know, call, let's call it their camp, wherever they are, they are, and uh, they have they appoint one, possibly two. I don't know, but let's just say they appoint one individual to basically monitor you and watch you all day long. So if you leave camp and say you take off hiking and you get close to that other group, because they're not honestly that far away. Um, because when we get down there and they they hear you and they, they know you're in the area, they move in there pretty quick. So, you know, I understand they're large and they can travel land, uh, large areas of land quickly, but they, they get there pretty quick. So we know that they're not too far away. Um, but let's just, you know, if you take off hiking in the wrong direction, that watcher keeps tabs on you and he'll, he'll try to divert you. And then he also will alert the other ones. And that video that I sent you, um, I guess to explain that video, I don't know if you heard that yip that I was trying to explain. Uh huh. Um, I, okay. So on the South side of this Canyon, this Valley, it's covered in structures. And they always come down from the north side. And the watcher sits on the south side of this valley where all the, I mean, the whole, the whole hillside is covered in structures. Um, that's where he hangs out and he, you know, has, he can, he can watch our camp and keep tabs on us. Well, I went hiking up that mountainside and I was taking pictures of all the stuff that, you know, the structures and things up there. And uh, he I could I could kind of hear him moving a little bit, and he would always stay just far enough away from me to where I couldn't, you know, I wasn't too close to him. But I, I knew he was moving around, and I was going up the mountain, so I was kind of driving him further away from, his, let's say, his post to where he could see the rest of my guys, you know? So towards further on the mountain there there's like these uh rock outcroppings and so i would hide behind those and i think it would kind of i don't know if it made him a little nervous or i don't know but i would i would kind of run in between these rocks and i was kind of zigzagging my way closer to him and i i got a little too close to him and that's when he did that call that, I don't know if you you heard it on that audio or not, but um, he he did that yip like real loud yip noise, almost sounded like a, a car tire squealing on pavement. 
And that was kind of a warning to me, I feel. And then I, I immediately booked it back down the mountain. <laughs> well, at least it didn't throw a rock at your head, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, they they did that yeah. the, the next time we were there. So. Oh, you got you got nailed with the a rock in the head. I no no. Uh, well, what happened was uh, Robert and I went down there, just him and I again, and this was in the early spring. And we were hanging out, and uh, you know, had our camp set up and everything like that. And we put a uh, a t- we have a tent set up, and we have a canopy, which is just a you know your basic tarp. Um, we had it, uh, the, you know, the uh, the paracord. We had it tied off to these trees, uh-huh. and so we had it over our tent because it would be, it was raining earlier that day. And then in the middle of that tarp, we stuck a long lodge pole um, to kind of give it the pyramid pyramid shape you know so the water was running off of it and stuff and so we had the pole in the middle and then all four corners were tied off with the paracord and the one um left corner of the tarp the nearest tree was about you know a good 25 feet away so we had to make that cord quite a bit longer than the rest of them <clears throat> so we're sitting there all night long you know nothing's happening nothing's happening no activity whatsoever I mean, not even any sounds. We're not even hearing anything. We're like, oh, man, they're not. Maybe they're bored with us. You know, they're not going to come around tonight. So we went to bed, and it was about 2.30 in the morning. One of them came down, grabbed that paracord, shook the living hell out of that thing. The lodgepole fell down, and then he took off. So, it, I mean, it startled us. We both jump out of our sleeping bags, you know, you know freaking out. And so uh, Robert put on his headlamp. He's like, oh, I'm going to get out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tie that cord back up, put that pole back up. And I was like, yeah, just leave it. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not getting out of this tent. And he's like, oh, he's like, you know, and he's, he's just like, screw him. I'm getting out. You know, I'm doing it. I'm like, okay. So he grabs his gun and he goes out there and he's, you know, tying the cord back up and putting the pole back up. As soon as he got done doing that, he climbs back into the uh, tent here comes a rock about the size of a softball, lobbed Ooh. in, boom, lands right on the ground, right in front of our, right in front of our tent. So and these guys, they have, they have really That's great accuracy. Just imagine yeah, one of so them, was, you know, well, pitching for the New that, York Yankees. My gosh. Yeah, he didn't like, <laughs> you know, pitch it at us, you know, like with, but he he lobbed it in there, and that was pretty cool, actually. Um, and then it, that was all that happened that whole entire night. Nothing, nothing else happened. They didn't do a single thing. So, but you know, it was you know, a little startling. Do you, do you, so, do you notice then? Let's go back to the seasonal thing, and because uh, um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things other people say too, and I know that we talked about that. Uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you feel like they're 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 not migratory for say they pretty much stay the same place most of the year. But then I hear other I, people I say. I mean, maybe different ones do move. I don't. I have no idea. Like, I, you know, this is. These are all well, my personal speculations on what I've seen. But well, this is, I mean, what, they, what is your what has Rob noticed? Because he's been doing a bit a little longer than you. You compare the two notes, okay? You compare each other's notes. Mm-hmm. Sure. And have there been time periods where they just there's no activity and they come back, but you know, there's like maybe a month or two where they just maybe have gone somewhere, you know. Uh, Never said. And who that. knows? Because he, he, he's, he's been in the canyon. Oh, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he's been in the canyon um, year round. 
And he said that in the winter, um, obviously, like I said earlier, they, they, they won't come around because they'll leave tracks. Um, I mean, they're obviously moving around up in the high country doing their thing. And there's no humans up there. I mean, so they can, they can move around freely without being discovered. Um, but he, he said in the wintertime that they're, they're still there. You can hear them at night. You know, you'll hear the knockings and, and things like that and maybe some calls, but they won't come around your tent. So he's been down there all every, every time of the year, and they're all this particular – I'll put it this way. This particular group is always there. And so I don't – so, yeah. I mean, in, like I said, different states, different uh, – well, well, if all of its needs you know, are being met, if there's there's plenty enough food and water and shelter, and uh, yeah, have they have ways, I don't see a reason a, for them to need to migrate. Is my one of my points as well? Is they have is food, that, they have water, they have no worries of humans messing with them. So why, you know, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Why would they go? You know, there's no reason for them to leave. I don't think because they're obviously <laughs> not going to migrate far enough to get away from bad weather. You know, the whole state's bad weather, but yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah. Well, this is, you know, Western New York Bigfoot, the guy there and his the little group of guys who've been doing their research there. And uh, his opinion is he feels that the group that's up there in Northwest uh, uh, New York actually does migrate and it migrates uh, with the weather and goes and so there's certain times of the year, say in Ohio, where there's higher sightings because of weather conditions and food, and they move back and forth past these several states in West Virginia. Now that's what he says. I, I, I he, he, I have no idea, and I don't know how he personally could know for sure, but he does notice one thing: there are certain times of the year when there's zero activity, and. Um, and it probably has um, to do with the weather, and because um, you know, north, north, uh, or excuse me, west of New York, and yeah, it's miserable, especially when you can talk about Ontario, Lake Ontario. I mean, you all the snow and everything, and so they would logically they might want to, especially if not one of the the big, the bigger types, you know, the the paddy types, the big ones that are more uh, designed for. Uh, Hanging out in worse conditions and colder weather. You know, what we're dealing with here is the, the paddy version. Um, the one that I, you know, the only one that I saw at night close up um, was all black. And then, you know, other members of our group have seen some different things. And uh, we're pretty sure, well, the only one, I'll put it this way, the only ones that we have seen so far are the paddy types. Now, uh, so, it, your, your experience with uh, well, limited experiences you have of the view in the face, uh, you hear a lot, um, and see, and this is one of those catch-22 situations where you hear a lot that they're, when, they're, when they're looking at you, when you have that eye contact, when they want it, they'll allow it, that they have literally no uh, movement within their face. In other words, no blinking of the eyes, no move of the mouth, no twitch of the nose or the ears. They're just like like a statue. Um, 
that's what I'm hearing. Uh, if, from what you guys have seen, is that is that the case? Because you know, I bring this up is because is automatically for those who want to debunk it or criticize what's going on, they're going to say, "Well, see, it's a it's a mask." You know what I mean? And so this is one of those issues that must be brought up and talked about as to what is going on because um, uh, I mean I've seen I've seen video where there has been uh, the blinking of an eye or the movement of a mouth or the face. So so, but I don't know from your experience. I don't know what what are you guys seeing? I mean, especially these centuries who are just like their job is simply to stare you down and stare you and make sure you're uh, you know. They know where you're at. So, yeah, I mean, everything that I've heard, um, I've yet to see one close up to see their face. Um, but everything that I've heard is the facial movements that are, are typically, like I said, if, if you see one, it's because it wants you to, or it it, it made a, a mistake. And typically that's the expression of like they're startled when they see you. They'll, you know, their eyes will get bigger and they're, you know, they'll have like a surprised look on their face. And then they will also, um, I hear time and time again that you'll see the teeth. If you're looking at one in the face and they'll, I mean, they'll, they'll show your teeth as a sign of aggression, like, like threatening. Now, are they rolling up their upper lip, or are they like rolling up their upper lip, like they say? Is that what you're hearing? Okay. That's what I'm hearing, like a dog. Now, how many do you guys think are out there in this group? And there's another thing. Okay, so it seems like in certain environments, like uh, you know, you're the second person that I've interviewed that's uh, dealt with uh, a a family or a pod of these um, troops, whatever you want. I don't know. Maybe it, I believe it, they're all in, in uh, pods or family groups. I don't think no. I think they're ah. very social, and I think they're all in. They have their little family units, and I think occasionally you will probably get like a rogue male out on his own. But um, everything we've ever dealt with so far, there's multiple. There's always groups of them. They're never all alone right. ever. And this, you know, the rogue. There's, you know, this is something to talk about too when it comes to the rogue groups and rogue males. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. well, you know, you and I are males and we were young men at one time. And uh, hopefully you're still relatively young. I mean, the drive. Like so, <laughs> well, I'm 49 and I'm a little diseased. I got MS. So it's like uh, the, my drive is gone. Uh, thank goodness I had plenty of experience prior to it. So I know what I right. has had, what I'm. What what I I'm missing if anything so, but when you're a young rogue, big male Bigfoot, you're going to have uh, a male instinct and drive, and uh, it's going to just uh, well you're going to have to uh, just like when we were young men, you know, you have to burn off that energy. You got to do something constructive. You know what I mean? Let's go camping. Let's go hiking. Let's go work out. Let's go. Let's go chase women on a Friday and then forget about it to try some, to forget the rest of the weekend. Um, yeah, and some people think that the the males kind of get mature and they they go out and, and start their own group, their own families, looking for girls and stuff. So you know, makes sense. I mean, it's I, don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, that's what we are familiar with because that's what we do. Um, right. Anyways, but the thing is about these group and these pods, <clears throat> I hear different numbers. Some of the quote-unquote experts out there say it's usually no more than four, you know, mom and dad and a juvenile and a baby. I don't know how, how you could actually determine that. But from your area, how many do you think of the different size of footprints and interactions and the sounds and all that? How many do you think are in that area that you guys are working right now? Um, and I know it, I know it's an unfair question because how do you absolutely 100% know? Let's put it a better way. Yeah. How many different ones have you guys had some kind of encounter or believe might be out there? Okay, there. so <laughs> so far, um, I've personally encountered three separate groups in Colorado. Two of these groups are in my county that I live in, and these groups are, I would say, not even, probably about 20 miles apart from each other. Um, so, and then the third group that is obviously down in Pikes, the Pikes Peak area, um, I don't know. We think that there there's a, probably two separate, like, tribes, if you want to call them that, um, relatively close to each other in that canyon. And we were kind of speculating maybe up to, like, eight of them, maybe. I don't know. Um, and when you hear them moving around at night, that's when you kind of try to, and this is like, you know, hard to do. Um, and we're probably inaccurate with what we think, but you can hear them moving around. You can hear different ones doing different things. It's the same, kind of like the same time. So when you hear them moving around the camp, it, it usually seems like they're like four, I would say is probably the number that is pretty common. Um, and I don't know, like a lot of people think it's the younger males that come in to the camp and do that kind of stuff. Uh, and the females and the, uh, the younger ones stay back. Um, they think the bigger, you know, like alpha males stay back, but I don't, I, you know, again, this is all people speculating things and I don't, I don't really know anybody that really knows. Nobody knows. I don't know. So. But I think it's typically, I would say four would be a safe, good estimate, typically, about. Yeah, now, it seems to me that these uh, these creatures are, uh, some people want to call them people, some people call them creatures. Uh, well, if they're people, they're still creatures, so, <laughs> in one yeah. sense, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, the fact that, you know, so the, it seems to me like they're um, omnivorous omnivores they're not just strictly a uh, meat eater so um from what you guys have uh, i imagine you've researched probably found some scat piles there's another thing out there in your neck of the woods where they seem to do uh, bone piles have you seen anything of that nature what's in the what's what's on their menu um i course, don't know i've never found anything as far as like bone piles that I would contribute to like a Sasquatch, you know, throwing their junk. But we have, there is an area where it looks almost, it's, it's a bunch of very odd 
like why well, I, I the reason I just said junk is because um there's an area down there where there's a lot of weird stuff like um it appears to be things that have been taken from camps uh-huh very random and that, when I say random it's just items that do not go together and I don't really know how else to explain that but I found some like we I found a light bulb out there um uh, a light bulb. by a, by a, a yeah like a little um looked like a little light bulb out of like um like an old car dash you know like they actually had like not like LEDs like the you know little light bulbs like a very small one I found one of those out in the middle of nowhere by a stump which I thought was kind of odd and then there's another area where there it almost looks like you know, maybe they, they steal stuff and then they kind of, you know, take it to this one kind of like area. I don't know what they're doing, but I have, we have found that once. Um, I found some just random things kind of in the forest like that, in that area. I've never found bones. I've never found, um, any kind of evidence of, you know, what their diet is. I think, you know, I, I'm sure they they grab deer and elk and things like that. And, you know, they, uh, as far as like berries and I, I don't know. I, I would assume they would eat all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people. I hear people, um, you know, they really, they they think these things hunt every day, um, which I, I would believe because some, an animal of that size, you know, it needs a lot of fuel to keep that, body going um i'm thinking you know they're they probably have a pretty large diet so i think they're probably grabbing deer and stuff but i've never found personally i've never found anything like that to you know definitely say like they're hunting this type of animal and this is you know i don't know well that's an honest question honest answer to uh, a question thank you so i appreciate that you know it we are in that bit of a dilemma of, <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, there's so much that's unknown, which I guess it makes it easier for um, for people to, to make uh, a mockery of it or denial of the existence of it. So, uh, But then again, you know, it's... Um, uh, you know, it is... Uh, it's well. I find it fascinating that we've lived with these creatures for so long and, and know so little about it. So, and yeah, uh, the, the closest people that do know anything about it at this point really are guys like you, boots on the ground researchers, are willing to, you know, the get out there and uh, uh, you know get it going and doing it. So, as I, I, someone like myself, I. I uh, I appreciate the fact that you're um, you're willing to actually even do that, because um, um, you know guys like me. I, I mean, I'm forced in a situation locality-wise, and because uh, of health issues and all that, I I just not gonna. It's not. I, I'm not saying I won't ever have an encounter, but I'm not gonna. I, I'm like one of those guys that you uh, probably don't want on, on your crew. Your little group of guys <laughs> you know what i mean last thing you want to do you want to be worrying about is guy who's got ms you know 
you know, well, I can't walk right now. Although I could be good bait to bring him in. So <laughs> yeah, <we'll throw> <laughs> you never know. But uh, yeah, so you've been doing this for a while. You got a new new uh, new site coming to to check out, and I'm excited about that. Now, let's, you know the tree structures. Um, what's your observations about that? Now I'm hearing stuff like from Utah. Rio from Utah Sasquatch said he feels that the um, if you read them properly, you can lead you right into their nests or their dens. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Is that what you guys are observing too? With the different designs and numbers, and the closer you get to one of the, you know, their their home base, that the uh, there's a bigger increase in the number uh, of tree structures and size and design and all that. Well, I mean. What's your observation in your area? Well, I mean, just again, um, I I don't know, but what I've put together out there is like I was kind of telling you earlier, all the structures are all on this south hillside of this valley. On the north side, there aren't there aren't any. There's a there are a couple on the bottom, but as far as like going up on the ridge, like on the hill, there aren't any, and it's more rocks and you could call it caves up on that end, and that seems to be the direction they always come from. So, just from that observation, I it seems strange that if they're living towards the north, there are no structures. All the structures ah. are on that south side and in that valley. They're in the bottom of the valley and they're on that hill, the south, the, the south hill side. So the south hill side, that the south hill side, does it have less trees there? Than no, on the north, uh, north I, side I, or the north side? Because you know, because I've heard uh, once again from uh, Utah Sasquatch that in the New guys' region, if you uh, usually the north northeast sides of these these mountains, depending on size of it, uh, they'll have more uh, forest on the north side than they will the south side because there's less direct sun. And if it's the south side, there's a lot more structures, and then maybe they're using it for multiple reasons. One is cover, another, you know, from and uh, you know, another to be detected. Another thing is, you know cover from the sun, you know. Even yeah, if it's guess, just partial, you know, partial shade is better than no shade, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's actually a good point. I've never I've never even thought of that before. Um Yeah, I mean that's a that's a uh, that's a big possibility, I would say. Um I do know that well, as far as like, you know, you and I were talking about like um the symbolism of some of those structures. Uh, you know, some people think it's to mark hunting territory or I've heard people, because they do different types of things as far as uh, they will, they do the, the structures, you know, and then they also do the tree bends and they also have like twists, like they'll, they'll, they'll break a tree but it's not like just breaking it over. They twist it until it breaks and then kind of actually point it. 
and I sent you the pictures of the the two aspen trees. Um, we woke up one morning, and they were in our camp, and we woke up, and they were um, two aspen trees right together. They were both twisted and pointed, broken and pointed in the same direction, like pointing towards our camp, which I don't know if that has any reasoning behind it or what, but you know, you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, well, the two aspen trees are broken now and pointing towards us, and there was no wind the night before to, to like, break trees down or anything like now, that. Are, the, are, are these the, the, the ones, the two that are kind of, look like they were broke pretty high, like maybe uh, yeah. yep. 10, 15 feet high or maybe more than that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big, the two. Big, big fella did that, my goodness. Yeah, and that's the the other interesting thing too is like I said, they're they're actually twisted. So you can imagine, you know, the strength that it takes to actually twist a tree of that size and get it to break. It's it's pretty pretty incredible, really. Oh yeah. And I don't know what that means or you know, like I said, like I've heard people say, Oh, it, you know, they point it towards water or they point it towards something or it's a warning or it's, you know, marking territory. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to think about any of that, really. Um, they do different things. I mean, they, you know, like I showed you the tree bends that are stuck in the ground. That's, those are probably my favorite because they're the most unexplainable one out there. Um, you know, anybody can go out there with their kids and build a teepee out of sticks but there isn't there's nobody that I know that can bend a twenty five foot tree over and shove the end of it into the ground, so those are yeah i I don't know what that stuff means uh, well, that's an honest answer to a very perplexing question. We don't know the answer to a lot of these things um Yeah, so um, tell us more. Uh, this is going to be a near, oh, kind of a weird question to ask, I guess. But uh, okay. uh, what I think is something that you definitely could give me an answer to. Um, now that you're doing, been doing this for a while, how has what are the dynamics? How has doing this, do, uh, uh, doing the research, uh, going out in their field, doing it? How has that? change your life besides the fact that you're doing it i mean what are the what have been the implications of uh going for it and doing the research and uh, spending these weekends doing uh you know interacting with uh, the big fella and gal yeah. um well i would say in the beginning it it's well, it, it impacted my life in a very negative way. Um, like when it originally happened to me, uh, it was a, it was basically a, a, a nightmare that kind of wouldn't go away. I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, you know, and I was a young kid. And I was still in high school, and it, it was it was terrible. My first encounter was, you know. Thinking back, I, I honestly wish that it never happened to me. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, man, you know, like people that I've talked to online and stuff, you know, they go looking for this stuff all the time. They they never find anything. 
and then somebody like myself that had, you know, a strong encounter like that, say, and I'm saying that I, I wish it never had happened. Um, it's, it's kind of a, you know, like a curse and a blessing at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, it's at the time it was bad because I didn't know how to, I, I couldn't understand what happened and I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it, it really bothered me for a long, long time. But now uh-huh. that I'm older and I got back out there and I kind of, you know, in a sense faced my fears and now I'm realizing that these aren't, uh, these bloodthirsty monsters, um, that has kind of put a lot of that stuff to rest and uh, it helped me kind of come to terms with it. Um, and I, I feel honestly, you know, on the, the blessed side of it, like I'm experiencing something extraordinary that people can't even comprehend. You know, I'm just a regular guy. I'm, I'm nobody, you know, and I'm, I'm me and me and my friends are having these extraordinary experiences with these amazing creatures. So it is, it's, it's, it's an, it's an awesome thing, but it's kind of a, you know, you think about it all the time. You dream about it all the time. Um, you can't go out into the forest without, you know, constantly scanning for structures and looking over your shoulder. You're always on high alert. So that's kind of the negative aspect of it. When I go camping with my regular friends, you know, drinking beer, listening to music, and I'm not looking for Sasquatch, I'm not, <laughs> this is kind of a, you know, kind of a selfish, rude thing to say, but I'm not enjoying myself because I know I could be somewhere else camping, having a Sasquatch experience. So it's it's just it's a weird thing. Um, I don't know. It's it. I think in the most part, I mean, it's just hard to say. Like I kind of wish it didn't happen, just so I can go on with my life and not um, be compelled to go out into the forest all the time looking for these things. And you know, and it's it's also kind of a hard place where you can't talk about this to anybody really. Um, I have a few select friends that know about it and they believe me, but I can't get them to go with me and they don't, uh, they don't feel what I'm feeling about it. So it's I'll just, tell it's you, very, I, 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 I wish I could, my life. I wish I could find some folks that, <laughs> you know, I, Northwest Ohio is not, uh, a hot spot for, uh, activity it's um but that doesn't mean there's they're not out there it seems like they're at this point wherever are i mean um, it doesn't matter whether it's it doesn't matter where it is in this country uh the, the north america they seem to be they find a niche they find a way to survive so i think it's um colorado seems to be i mean i i didn't really i didn't know this until i started doing this but I mean, I think Colorado is a, um, probably one of the, the hotter states for these things. Um, it's a perfect environment for them, you know. They yeah. They really do well here. Well, you got all the uh, the mountains, the valleys. They're, uh, 
uh, I don't know what it's like uh, water source-wise, but uh, you, I imagine you guys have a lot of small streams and, and yeah, we have uh, rivers and lakes and streams and yeah, we, it you name it, we, it's pretty much here. Um, let's talk about a little bit about this uh, if you're still game for it. And, uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's. We're going to need to mention any names, but there. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is the really hot shows on the internet these days that supposedly are about. Uh, I don't seem to be so much about research, but uh, fear mongering. Uh, they'll call it oh, yeah. encounters and all that kind of thing. And so, you know, when I asked you to bring up your encounter, uh, I mean, fear was part of it, but it's only part of it. Um, And and I don't, uh, I think it does you and everybody else uh, disjustice to make it into a a campfire story, you know what I mean? And uh, Mm -hmm. I just just think it's, uh, there's better things that we could be using our time with um, and research here. So, but, uh, and, but since you've been observing this and you first noticed it uh, on the internet, have you seen an increase in such exploitation of this issue of a big um, does it seem like an increase I'm not saying that some of these shows don't have don't have value in themselves because they're introducing people to it but there's a certain point when it goes you should, yeah you know well, what I, I mean if in that the monster aspect of it I mean that's obviously always been there um and people do exploit that, you know, and it, and of course, I mean, if you want to get better ratings, you know, and you want to keep people interested, you're going to tell them something exciting, you know, and something scary. And we all love hearing that kind of stuff. It's entertainment. And a lot of those encounters do happen to people. I mean, there's a lot of unpleasant encounters out there, but I think the majority of those encounters are misunderstood um because you know like i said like mine they if that thing wanted to kill me it had no problem um i was like a 90 pound skinny kid and this thing was eight feet tall i'm 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 history um but it 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 simply was scaring me out of that area and i mean of course i was terrified I, i thought it wanted to kill me um and it threw a stick at me and i mean it was it was it was obviously you know it was threatening but um, I don't think I think they are. I mean, and this is obviously my just my feelings on it. I think they're more afraid of us um, than we are of them. I think that they are raised to fear us, and they're they're raised to stay away from humans at all costs. And I think they do certain things to. I mean, they they spend most of their lives avoiding us, and they. Um, but when they're put in a situation where, you know, maybe I was in the middle of their hunting, you know, that night, maybe I was, you know, potentially ruining their hunt. You know, they had a deer out there and I was screwing it up for them and they, they flushed me out of the area. And then, you know, that, that's a fun, you know, people think that's a, you know, like I said earlier, the, the, the horror stories are more fun to listen to, but more, yeah. when you get out there and you actually are out there all the time, 
you start to realize that they, the, I'm not going to say they're these big gentle giants of the forest, you know, nothing like that, but they're not bloodthirsty killers either. And I think they, once you get out there and you kind of, you just, you, you respect what's going on. You respect them. Um, and you're not doing things that are threatening. You're not, you know, provoking them in any way. And you just go out there and you kind of just, you're quiet and you're calm. I think it diffuses a potentially bad situation. Um, and the, all the time, like I've only had one bad encounter and that was my first encounter. And since then, basically, I mean, you know, like I said, we've had a couple of things thrown at us, but it wasn't like pitched at us. Like it was going to kill you if it hit, hit you in the head, but it, um, you know, they, they do things like that and they screw around with you too. I mean, but I've never, I think the horror story, the scary stories and uh, the fear mongering is it's ratings, you know, it's let's keep it fun and interesting because nobody's going to listen to a talk show. Like if I started my own Sasquatch show and all I talked about was me sitting on a lawn chair, drinking a beer. (laughs) On the other side of the bush, uh, you know, you, you might be surprised. You just might be surprised. You just might be surprised. Yeah. One of the things is I'm going to say right now, when it comes to this topic, even those that have quote unquote, well, even the top shows, even you know, uh, West and you know, uh, West Sasquatch Chronicles and all that. Uh, although you know he has you know four thousand subscribers or something like that or whatever it is, it's not that many. I I have never really looked to see how many, but what if Recently, I mean, I know it grows, but it's it's uh, uh, it's 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 not significant to mean much. I mean, it does mean something, maybe to him and financially a little bit. And maybe someday he might not have to have a daytime job. But right now, he still has to have a daytime, a daytime job. And uh, so, in other words, as you know, there's there's no money in any of this. There's none. Actually, there'd probably be a lot more money. Uh, look at guys like, uh, oh, what's that one guy? That effeminate guy that's always on the television has his own thing. Uh, uh, Rick Ryder or something like that. Or oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. he 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 seems to be the most popular of all. That's because he's uh, because he's doing dumb stuff over and over and over, and he's making a he's, gigantic joke out of. He's a character. You're talking about the guy that has like the dead Sasquatch in a trailer and he travels around. Oh, no. Mission to see it. No, I'm talking about the other guy that he's been on. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. He's a. I can't remember his name now. I don't. It's not that important, but he's. He basically sees. He promotes uh, the the homosexual agenda. And I'm not going to say one way or the other about that. It's none of my business. I'm not one, but. The mixing homosexual agenda along with Bigfoot, and then you know the skeptic thing. Well, he's supposed to be the most popular guy on the internet as far as shows oh. goes. So my point being is that, you know, um, I guess you can make a big spectacle of things and turn it into a big turn uh, a source of entertainment. And of course, let's be honest, most people. That's what they want is entertainment, and um, sure. but that's not what I want. I want to know the truth. Um, the people that listen yeah. to my show, this well, I'll never be big, but I guarantee you, the people that listen to what I do, 
they do want to know the truth. They're they're writing this, this, my journey, you know, being part of it because they want to know the truth. Um, yeah. Not not interested in entertainment. And it, you know, once you start going down this journey of truth and trying to understand your world. And you let go of "quote unquote" entertainment. Educate yourself in what that word really means, uh, and an etymology of the word entertainment. And um, you're going to go. You know, I'm a grown man. I probably, be, although it might seem boring to whatever at this point. Who cares? Yeah. Like people that are never going to meet, anyways. Um, why don't I just go pursue the truth? I'm going to understand my world. And for some reason, it's led me straight to, of all things, Sasquatch, <laughs> which I never thought it would be. And I do more. Yeah. Now, right now, I do more interviews with folks. I'm hoping to have um, Kane Michaels from you know Southern Ohio. Uh, he's kind of known. He's part of that, I guess, uh, outlaw team thing. But... Uh, um, and I don't mean that disrespectfully if anybody will hear that. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's not that important that he is actually part of it. What's important is the fact is finding men and women who are serious about the research and are actually going out there and camping tonight and, you know, finding these uh, uh, as much information and research because the, the, the mountain of evidence is becoming so overwhelming uh, from my research that to deny that there is such a, a creature as Sasquatch, it's well, it's border uh, ludicrous now. What I'm also seeing is uh, the borderline insanity is to, at this point, uh, be doing the same old, same old and expecting to get a, a different result every time. So, <clears throat> And what I mean by that is, is that we need to support guys like you and uh, those who are truly serious about this. And I just want to really understand the creature and uh, in its entirety. I mean, it's one thing to drag out a body that I'm sure has already been seen by the powers that be uh, a thousand times over, and it isn't. It's not going to change a thing. So we're going to have to educate ourselves. And I think that. There's the potential of learning to live with them, camp, you know, uh, logically with them in the midst, just like we do with bears and elk and other animals. You know, there you have to respect certain boundaries and all that kind of thing, and still have the kind that experience. So, anybody who's ever seen a grizzly bear will will be as I have, or even an elk, you know, or. Uh, whatever a pronghorn deer, uh, antelope, excuse me, or a, a great horned owl, or whatever these, there's uh, a peleated woodpecker. If everyone's seen one of those, those things are big as all get out and are amazing. And uh, I mean, this is all, they're all part of our world, the natural world. That's what it comes down to. And if we approach it in that way, instead of it being the boogeyman and uh, superstition. Yeah. Um, there's going to be at least more uh, intellectual knowing knowledge, growth and knowledge, which is I think is important. Now, if you want to go down the road of belief, that's why my show is, you know, the second part is knowing versus belief. It's like 
Most of what we do, Matt, we operate on belief systems. We don't operate on truth. We operate on belief. And in the end, it gets you a lot of trouble. And so you need to, to value knowledge as much as possible. Uh, knowledge is power. And so um, right. that's where we're at here. This, this is the journey. So uh, I could talk to you for like a gazillion years. We talked. I mean, we did all the things we even talked about last time. I mean, we talked about two hours last time, didn't we? <laughs> I enjoy talking to you, Matt. I, uh, let's do that. Uh, let's make it a, a, a done deal on your part if you're if you're game. Uh, that uh, two weeks from now you say you're going to a new site. Is that correct? Um, that well, weather providing. Yeah, I mean that's my plan as of right now um things can change so but i mean next month for sure um we're talking about getting to this new area and the new area that we're going to um is only about an hour from my house um and the interesting thing is it's kind of a i well what i've been told it's like a bfro hot spot um it's kind of people kind of want to keep it a secret i guess but um, I know a few guys that have actually been there, and I guess the activity at this place is um, pretty extreme. So that's we're pretty excited about going there and seeing what happens that night. Uh, a couple nights we'll probably be there. Um, so I will, you know, I'll obviously keep you posted on what happens. Um, yeah, for sure. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sure to be something something cool will happen. And well, uh, you know, uh, if you can remember any of the things that I pointed out and uh, that we can talk about, a uh, location, uh, what, you know, uh, southeast, northwest of whatever uh, geography that you're dealing with, um, scats, uh, if you guys can maybe... Um, if you're interested, you know, you observing structures, is there a, a, a building up? Is there some kind of, you know, the, you know, does it, are there more and more, the closer you get to them kind of thing, you know what I mean? Um, bone piles, all that kind of stuff, which you probably already know about, but what I would like to talk to you about in particular, um, you know, whether you guys get a how or not, I'm sure you guys are going to get a lot of visual evidence and uh we'll talk about it in more detail um if you're willing to and ex- explain sure. to us us armchair warriors who will never ever have probably opportunity to be in your position um uh, tell us what you see you know what i mean um yeah in de- a little more detail so um so we all can build a picture. I mean, I'm not interested in writing a book. I'm not interested in changing the world, but um, I am interested in knowing the truth. That's what I am. I really am. <laughs> At this point, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. And, you know, a few years ago, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And that's when my son was born. And I, I looked in the mirror and I said, you know, I went to college, university, school, blah, 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 this, that, all of my life experiences. And I don't know, Jack Squat. And I, uh, I really don't. I mean, I, I know how to do a few things, yeah. but as far as how the world is for sure, I mean, I live in a, in a very controlled environment like most people do. I live in suburbia America and, uh, 
I am so disconnected from reality is pathetic. And I represent yeah. the vast majority of the world and of the United, at least of Americans. So we need, we need, we need that stepping stone of, um, it was for me, you know, um, I was kind of in the, in the realm of, you know, this is, this is life. This is what happens. This is what I believe. This is what I was told to believe. This is, you know, the government has me in their best intentions and blah, blah, blah. And then slowly <laughs> you start to discover like that's a bunch of bullshit. And wow, these, um, you know, monsters are real and who knows how far it goes. All I know is, of, you know, what I've seen and what I've heard and it's real. And it, there's, there's a lot more going on than people think that there is. And that's another kind of, whole other scary aspect we didn't really talk about but um say that again repeat that one more time one more time the uh, scary aspect yeah i i I, you know we kind of talked about the the cover-up with the whole sasquatch situation which i've had some interesting emails about that and you know it's it that's kind of a new thing that's kind of coming to light for a lot of people um that these, you know, yeah. they, they think the gov- there's a strong government involvement with keeping this stuff under wraps and things like that. So, like, we didn't we didn't talk about that, and that's who knows, you know, how far that goes. But you know, Sasquatch is it, it's well, getting it's, bigger. It's, 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 I know some people. More once more. again, I'll bring up Rio again. He thinks that there's no big major cover up. Uh, it's just based on logging industry and all that. And I'm just like, uh. Well, you know, when you're well, still on that in that in that night, there's got to be some kind. Of, you know, there's oh, there's green power and money, so there's going to be people keeping things quiet, and there's going to be people controlling stuff. So I don't know. There's well, a lot to consider. Yeah, there's so many reasons for them to actually uh, keep this a cover up uh, from. Uh, a, all the different uh, industries and how they're affected to uh, the, how this, this, this affects uh, the, the religion of scientism, which really is a religion. The more you look into it, the absolute infallible belief and or the absolute belief in the infallibility of science and scientists. And when you discover that uh, when you discover that over half of all uh, reviews, uh, 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 peer reviews are fabricated lies. And this is coming from the very top saying that, that they just make up stuff. Uh, so you can't press that. And then there's the religious side of things and how this is will affect. As I did a show uh, with Greg uh, Yost from Southern Indiana, and it's going to be the second part. And the first we started out reading about the book of the, in the Bible about Esau and Jacob and just asking the profound question, how many of you have ever known of a woman um, who had two twins and one was born hairy from head to toes and even his hands were all hairy and the other one was, you know, like us, skin, you right. know, with just hardly any hair. I mean, what is the story really talking about? And potentially uh, there is, with all the different stories and, and uh out there and legends that maybe these creatures uh, we have been at war with them 
for a very long time, maybe the longest, one of the longest wars that mankind has had over that surpasses religion, because these creatures potentially threaten our absolute dominion over this world. So, in many ways, in particular, this is our ability to adapt to environments that you and I could never, in a heart, you know, no matter how much. Uh, training one may get, you know, survival training and all that, at some point, these the elements are going to wear us down, you know what I mean? So, how do they survive it? We can't. All these things. There's so much to talk about, but I want to keep this yeah. within a two hours. It's been two hours now, so I want other people to hear it. So. Okay. Matt, I really appreciate that. Is there any way that if you want, do you want uh, people to try to get a hold of you? And if so, is there a way of doing that? If not, I can understand as well. Um, yeah, my the uh, email that I put on the Sasquatch uh, Chronicles show is still, you know, out there. So um, I have got emails from people that want me to essentially, like, you know, take them out, which I'm I'm not going to do. No, um, that's not the not the point of this. My email. Uh, uh, my email is matt. dot colorado bigfoot at gmail dot com, and um, basically what what I'm looking for is um, you know people send me photos and they send me uh, you know their encounter stories and that's that's cool. Like I'll talk to people and um, you know that stuff's great. Um, I just I don't want people emailing me wanting me to take them out to show them <laughs> something because I'm not, I'm not I've gotten a lot of that and I I'm not going to do that period. You don't want to start a tour a tour guide business? Yeah, tour you, could, guide. Um, you could charge them 100 mm-hmm. bucks a crack, you know what I mean? You could end up making yeah. a killing. Yeah, we're always asking, you know, like we're looking for serious people. Um right now our group, another thing that I'd like to point out is I think our group's pretty solid and I don't really think we're looking for more members at this point. Um, I'm always up for um, suggestions and things like that. Uh, you know, I I really would like to talk to people that have had encounters in Colorado specifically. I know that kind of narrows it down, but um, I want to hear lots. about things that have happened or to, or in Colorado, places that are accessible to me that I can get to and research and, and spend some time at. Um, I like, I'd like to talk to people like that and, um, go to those, those areas and and check that kind of stuff out. And we have had, I've had, you know, some pretty interesting things like that, but the majority of it's people wanting, uh, you know, to go and uh, I'm not, I'm just not interested in taking somebody on a camping trip so they can see Bigfoot. It's not going to happen, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there's there are guys out there now that are doing that. Some well-known guys are, you know, trying to get you know a group of people and say, so, you know, and I know they're not, they're not really making the money. They're actually charging simply for the opportunity for themselves to have the experience. But uh, ah, it is what it is. But uh, it is. I I understand what you're saying, and uh, uh, you know what we sell we we uh, have to sell out and so many things in our life it, you know there's it's nice to have a few things that we uh 
uh, can, you know, say yay, nay to and have some kind of sense of control, even if you can't control Bigfoot showing up and having a, you know, a surprise visit. Uh, he can, at least you have the opportunity to to do it, do it your guys' way and not um, get all... Things can get pretty goofy. I noticed about this, this the culture of Bigfoot. Uh, it is... Uh, Vicious at times, it is childish at times, it is uh, yeah. malicious at times, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't blame you guys to keep it, keep it to yourselves. But you know, I do appreciate you sharing your with the, some of the information. I'm never going to ask you for locate, you know, specific locations. I just know you're in Colorado, and, and I'm happy with that. I'm not, and. Uh, as far as doing that drawing, I, I will find. I'll get to that drawing of that. You're like three behind, so <laughs> I started doing this thing about doing drawings, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm like, am I making commitments to things that I even more commitment no, to things fine. that I never, uh, you know? So, um, and then, by the way, you know, Matt's not charging me or even asked me to do it. It's just like everyone else. I've asked him to give me the opportunity. This is my way of doing a little bit of my research by uh, doing drawings of some of these photographs that are, uh, you know, uh, harder to uh, see and I keep it to you and uh, give it to you. And if uh, if it's worth anything and you feel like sharing with other people, then well, we can do that too. But it's simply, when I say sharing, it would simply be like the cover page for the YouTube channel for the show that we yeah that's that's the extent of it on my end of things and what do you do with the drawing you can do whatever you want to do with it <laughs> I'll probably hang it up I'm looking forward to seeing it yeah so it's gonna take some um, but anyways we'll, we'll get to that point so hopefully by the time okay. we talk next in a couple of weeks I'll have that done so thanks okay. Matt yeah. And uh, thanks for all the info. Thanks for sharing and uh, sharing a couple hours of your life with me and the rest of sure. you. You're welcome. Yeah, man. You take care, okay. man. You too. Uh, See you later. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.